Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I knew what I was going to do was going to be very special with my life. I'm an example just to show people that like, you come up from nothing. Prince had dedicated his whole legacy to celebrating women, celebrating women of color, and celebrating positive music. I'm going to uphold that. You're your own worst critic. I feel like you should be it anyways, but I, I'm always that, and I was just hating my song, so I was hating myself. Some people are at their cubicle job right now making way less than us. Some people are across the world in a goddamn sweatshop making like nothing a day, and we're getting paid to sing and dance. To sing and dance, that's a blessing. Artists out here, they're just willing to settle for anything. You know what I mean? And once you're willing to settle for anything, you deserve anything you settle for. Yo, this young murder. Yo, this is Lizzo. This is August Regal. What's good? It's Kehlani. This is your man, Blake Carrington. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetto, and you're listening to part two of the best of 2017. By the way, yo, uh, The Come Up Show is now on Apple Music Spotify and of course SoundCloud and that is specifically we're going to be creating a lot of playlists in 2018 we're also going to be starting off with uh, the best of 2017 songs it's going to be over 50 songs of our favorite songs to come out in that's Canadian Toronto Uh, and if you're not already whether you use Spotify Apple Music and SoundCloud make sure you follow us there the come up show in part two there were some interesting themes going on through this whole podcast. Claremont II talks about the importance of independence, and he shares a not-so-quiet, pleasant experience when he licensed his album to a record label. Uh, Sean Leon talks about sharing pain in his music, and Ali and My Blue talk about how they've dealt with depression. And Jadena, Majid Jordan, The Internet, and Emmanuel talk about the renaissance that is happening in Canadian music. This is part two of the best of 2017, the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! Part two with Jalen Santoy. Uh, he's from North Carolina, and he talks about how he doesn't like to do things that are temporary. Of the importance of taking your time, and that you can never achieve something you can't articulate. Jalen Santoy. So you, you said, uh, so you started recording at the age, what, at 15? Yeah. And right, your first pro- your first project didn't come out until now. You're, what, 21 or something? Yeah. Or? My first project came out around 21, 22, but I started recording around 15. So the, the key thing of what I want to say here is in this age of low barrier to entry and anybody can upload anything to SoundCloud, it sounds like you filtered yourself and it sounds like you're a patient. It sounds like you took, you t- you took your time before you put something out. No, I definitely did. Tell me about that process. I did because yeah. the way I look at this music and the way I look at most things I do, I don't I don't like to do too many things. It's temporary. So like, mm-hmm. if if this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna make sure it's done the right way. I'm gonna make sure people hear me from a place that I'm comfortable with starting that because I don't look at this as like something that's gonna end in like three, four, five, six months. Like this is what I'm doing. This is choosing what I'm doing in my career. This is I could have chose different paths, but like this is what I want to do. So I'm gonna make sure it's done right mm-hmm. and. And whether that's being patient, whether it doesn't matter what it is, I'm just I'm gonna do what I gotta do. You feel me? So you have the long view, yeah, of your of your craft. Nah, most definitely, I definitely do. Hmm. Uh, so in the song uh, "Mama Loves Me," you, you say your mom said you can never achieve something you can't articulate. Yeah, yo, that's a key line right there. And um, th- tell me about that line, man. What when she told you what happened? Uh, nah, she told me, it was her and my uncle, um, they, they kind of told me that, and it was just, 
because I, I got into a place where a lot of times I'm very positive, but when I was going through a lot of stuff I was going through, I was very negative at that time. And because I was being so negative, it's like they were saying this positive affirmation, you know what I'm saying? You can't you can't really talk have such a negative attitude and expect things to just go right. Like it it don't work that way. So sometimes you gotta wake up in the morning and just switch your mindset up and just have a different like perspective on the way you're moving. That's the only way mm. truthfully a lot of things gonna get accomplished. They taught you about affirmations. Like, was there some line? Like, is there some affirmations that you can tell us about? Like, you know, I'm great, or I'm I'm a killer, or what? What kind of affirm? Because affirmations are usually words that you repeat yourself uh, to make sure that you believe in it and to like program your subconscious, basically. Nah, most definitely. Yeah. Um. So one thing that they didn't even know, but like I used to tell myself, like I would never let my mom hear my music or see my music until like I was on a big stage. That's that's just what I always had in my head. So I I had a studio in my house parents still never heard any of my music and i had that locked away for like years bro were your parents ever curious yeah of course they i mean they they heard some things through the walls you know what i'm saying but they never like mm. it wasn't like i'm like yo go peep this like go check what i'm doing uh, it wasn't, it wasn't why why is that though because you, you know I, you know you'd be you think that a son would be really excited to show their parents like this is what i'm doing but you how did you hold off like that why i come from a different background to the point where i'm not i, I just wasn't sure if that's what something that they may have wanted me to do initially oh, so it was like in my head i was taking down a different path whether it be soccer whether it be school all, all these different things like that wasn't the go-to so like for me that was just something that i was passionate about i didn't know how to articulate it. i didn't know how to get that across so i was just doing what i was doing and like you know what i mean just moving the way i was moving Sun Little is a prolific musician. This is a guy who's been a supporting uh, artist, uh, supporting musician for Mumford Sons, The Roots, and so many more people. And he's also an artist himself, soul artist himself. And he wrote a song called Old Mother, which was a response to what was happening in the United States. Sun Little. Song Old Mother, which is on Sun Little, was like your emotional response basically to what was happening in the United States. And I think you were like in Paris when you were making that song. Uh, can you tell me like what you were feeling and thinking at that time, especially being in Paris, seeing that from a distance? Um, you know, I had I was getting my news out of lag, I guess you would say, because of because of where I was, and you know, I was on a high, I was on a high little giddy, I guess, because I'm in I'm in France, and and you know, some of that pressure that you know you might feel as an african-american male in an urban or anywhere in america especially at that time um you know it's kind of lifted when you're in a different environment you know it was sort of a rude awakening uh to hear about the things that were happening here and and really the reaction i think you know the the kind of discord and and just venom that went back and forth between people you know the idea of 
you know, debating the value of different people's lives, you know, um, instead of, you know, really reaching for the ideal, I think, you know, everything that was going on back home was, was, was very divisive and, and painful, you know, for people. And can people benefit from that? You've, I think you've said that where people can benefit from those, that stress or there's, you know, you know, people they're not me, might not be good people, but there are people who can benefit from the venom, from the stress, from the the the, the darkness. I suppose there are, you know. I wouldn't even know what to say about that. <laughs> Was there like a release of stress that you felt when you were living, when you were in France and compared to being back in the States? Um, certainly, you know. I mean, their, their history, it may be similar, parallel to ours in some ways. You know, but it's also very different, and and not being a direct part of that history, uh, and being away from your own sort of constraints and perceived limitations at home, you know, can be a liberating feeling. Gabriel Garzon Montano. If you listen to Drake's album, if you're reading this, it's too late. There's a song there called Jungle. And in that song, Jungle, there's a sample. And that sample comes from Gabriel Garzon Montano. He talks about how Drake found his song and what happened after Drake sampled his music. Gabriel Garzon Montano. So we're here in Toronto, so I'd be remiss not to ask you this question. You probably know what's coming up. But your song 6A got sampled on Drake's Jungle. Uh, can you, how did that happen? Uh, how did that whole process happen? And tell me what followed after that. Um, yeah, I, I saw him at LAX, and I was like, hey, man, you need to hear my tape. Just kidding. Um, I'm glad that's not the truth, because a lot of rappers would be trying to do that, because they already tried to do that already. Yeah. No. Yo, listen to my music. Yo, here's my SoundCloud. Um, we have a mutual friend. Her name is Zoe, and she played him the record. And... Um, and he flipped out, and then a week later, um, I was hearing Jungle. A week later, that quick? Yeah. That means he was truly inspired. Yeah. And you said that like you felt like your mental privacy was being invaded by Drake, because you were getting all these emails and say, yo, congratulations, yo, you should put out a social media campaign, so on and so forth. And Drake was already everywhere, and now like he's in your life, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there was definitely... Um, I heard his name spoken a lot. I heard him on the radio. I heard him um, outside, my, you know, blasting from the cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was definitely, like, uh, when that mixtape came out, he was, like, very ubiquitous culturally, very on the tip of everyone's tongue. So, um, and, yeah, a lot of people were just coming out of the woodwork just to congratulate me on, on that, which was really sweet. Um, a bunch of people wanted to get coffee, you know. They wanted to talk about it. They wanted me to talk about it. And um, and I got bored of that. I think it's just a pretty natural thing to get bored of. So those people could say, hey, I talked to that guy. It was I had coffee. Yeah, the, the, you know the song? Yeah, I had coffee with that guy the other day. 
Yeah, maybe so. I, I think it was just exciting because um, cause, cause I was just starting my shit. And then all of a sudden, there was, like, the contact with... Um, with this with this real like cultural presence in Drake and so it was just exciting to people that that no one I didn't expect something like that to happen so as people are always curious of like okay where does this come from what sample what's the inspiration behind this song and so forth especially in the internet age people want to dig 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 and say oh yeah this is from this this is from here or whatever uh, after that other than people hitting you up what, was there any like what were the advantages to that could you was there momentum was there could you use that or was there any like anything positive that came out of it yeah i mean i think it's hard to track it's not it, it, you know you know that x amount of people are finding you because of you know the streams on 68 went up it's it became a really popular song and um and there's no doubt that i think the cosine um it means a lot to people who who are looking to invest in young artists so to to have to have a collaboration with Drake when you're just starting your career is, is a fantastic thing to have mm. i can't tell you what opportunity specifically yeah. came out of it i just know that it was yeah. a good look it's intangible basically but you know yeah obviously it's a good look I'm just like a baby drooling over you The things you do One of my favorite interviews of 2017. You know, one of the things that I'm really excited about about this new generation of artists like Sean Leon, he's intelligent. He's articulate. He is a visionary. He is not just a rapper. He does multiple things. He directs his own visuals. uh, And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed our interview. This is a very special interview. And... A lot of people agree with this. It's one of most our most popular interviews. And in this specific part, we're talking about vulnerability and Sean Leon sharing his pain in music. That is, that's selfless work. Sean Leon. So, uh, and you mentioned like music is like, it was getting the different, uh, like it's therapeutic, but it's getting a different demon out of you. You're expressing something out of you that basketball wasn't. And yeah. you wouldn't know what to do if it wasn't for that, right? Yeah. yeah. And I like, I got, I got like voices in my head. And for me, it's like always like even the, the sometimes, sometimes it's like, it's, it's music that like, for example, like I, I dropped my album in February and like a week later I was in L.A., and I was in like these environments uh, where my music was playing in this house, and there were so many people in the house at the time. This massive, massive like bungalow or whatever. Um, and I'm like listening to the songs, and it's like this. In this song, I'm talking about sleeping outside and my brother being in jail and, and not being able to communicate with him and being desensitized to that and becoming jaded and and all this sad shit and it's just in the middle of this party (laughs) you know it's like in the middle of the party like I'm playing all this sad shit and it's like you know sometimes it's that music but then I'm also making music that isn't that emotional and it's like a specific feeling but it's always still you know genuine still some sort of 
uh, I don't even know if demon is the word, but like some sort of voice in my head that wants to be heard at that time. Like he has the floor, he wants to be heard versus like something else that might be more introspective um, and, and have like a deeper meaning. Um, uh, so I don't even know where I was going to. It's funny because I think you were explaining, say that song, uh, Matthew in the Middle. Yeah. If, if Matthew in the Middle is playing in L.A. and it's bungalow in a party yeah. and you're hearing that, do you feel vulnerable at all? Yeah. Th- yeah. It's <laughs> like it's it's weird. And that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like yeah. it's like that. That's sorry. That was my point. It's yeah. like uh, in the middle of that, it's just yeah. me like in confessing all of this pain or, you know, uh, what have you. And um, it's like tough to relive it. Yeah. Another one of my favorite interviews of 2017. Myrna, formerly known as Aya, uh, is an artist who's been doing it for over 10 years. And yo, I, 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 uh, this is one of those interviews where I worked hard to be able to secure it because I knew it was going to be special, you know. Um, I, I just had to have Myrna on the Come Up Show podcast. And you're going to know why. If you haven't heard his full interview yet, please do. In this specific uh, excerpt, uh, Myrna talks about, you know, changing her name from Aya to Myrna. And, you know, she's worked with DJ Jazzy Jeff and Doc McKinney and Ali Shaheed Mohammed from A Tribe Called Quest. And uh, the dark time that she was going through. Myrna. Phantom of the Opera, melodramatic. Like, they were like, this makes sense. So you really put all, you went all in on the calling. Mm-hmm. You killed the name, the branding, mm-hmm. the music mm-hmm. and all that. 100%. Were you scared? Of course. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What like what was like I guess what but was I'm it? brave, whatever like separation anxiety I'm like kill it. Yes, I was anxious. Yes, I cried after. Yes, I wrote songs about the funeral of Aya. Like it was like it was a thing. Whoa, yeah, it was actually a really good one. It was like interludes, whatever. It was a thing, but like it was necessary, and it's great. And like now, literally every time I'm too scared to do something, I'm just like, kid, I have to do it. Then, literally, if I if it terrifies me, I just have to do it. It might not even be the right thing to do. If it's terrifying, I just have to do it. Mm. Why? Like, because there's it's so exciting. Like, if you're going to live, you might as well live in the unknown and be like, okay, so what's next? Because then anything's possible. If you're going to live, you might as well be a risk taker. When when did you, like, decide to do, like, when did that, when did you when become When I decided like to live. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's kind of like you know whether you said it good or bad, but it's uh, uh it's the one thing that holds us everybody all humans back is fear. Yeah, yeah. Fear is a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Fear can, and regret is also poison. Mm-hmm. No, I I don't have time for that. I can't. I get too busy in whatever choice I make. Anyways, like it, I can't. You get too busy. In yeah, like there's choice. no time to sit and regret. So you just get too busy with stuff to do. Like, because usually my choices are the things. Usually my the choice that I'm making that's scary is the choice that equals a lot of work. Mm. a lot of uphill again so I don't have time to stay ah. you know it's like okay like I literally went from like I had like you know like all this exposure and whatever to like blogs don't even know who Myrna is nobody posted it people are still not posting my stuff really where I got everything 
by what I mean they are, but like slowly, right? Like it's not what it was before. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask. So you changed the name, you put all this work into the calling, and then the calling came out, and what happened? Not much. <laughs> Not much. Listen, I describe this like industry journey as like, hey, look behind door number one, you open it, nothing. Oh, what's behind door number two? Nothing. Three, maybe a little bit of something. You know, but you know what the calling did? It helped me meet Doc and Ali. It helped me learn how to produce better and mix better. It like really gave me long life, like lifelong friends. Like those things are really what's important. So when you get past all the bullshit of like, oh my God, sob, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason. And the universe did make it go this way. So they end up end up doing songs like Looking back, you can say this. Of course. But in that moment, what were you feeling? In that moment, the calling flopped. A relationship of mine flopped. I was very sad. I was very depressed. I was never going to write a song again. It was horrible. I wanted to die. I went to therapy, like the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I smiled a really cheesy (laughs) smile. Just another falling star Yeah, you build them up so fast To drop them down Just to drop them down Now it's gone too far Just another Just another Another one Child of the game is done It's overrated For what I'm looking for I've been hurt too many times before Yeah, I played the fool over three to you Let's do the score if nothing comes for free Then I pay my dues so it is gone Am I Blue? How I would describe Am I Blue's music is a mix of Amy Winehouse and Erica Badu. And she talks about how she handles depression. Am I Blue? And, I, you know, as I, I told you, Blue, uh, like, you know, we talk about the ups and the downs uh, here in this podcast as a way to inspire and for other people to learn from and to also feel like they're not alone as well, too. I think you did an IG post where you were saying, you know, you're going through like a funky, mm-hmm. uh, a funky time mm-hmm. where, you know, I think you were saying you were going through self-doubt mm-hmm. uh, and depression. Can you share that story with me, what was going on and how you came out of it? Self-doubt and depression. It's For me, I'm a very private person, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just out of nature. And I think depression is part of life. A lot of people feel down and feel they doubt themselves or they feel less than how they, they're supposed to feel or whatever. And that's something that I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why there wasn't a specific reason, but it's just something that I was going through. And I just had to sit down with myself and isolate myself to kind of think of why I was having these thoughts. And and um, to me, the way I battled it was to, to question myself of why I was thinking this way and what caused it and kind of tracking back to when I started feeling the way that I did, which is essentially what 
my upcoming EP is about. Mm. It's about um, being introspective and and really understanding yourself and understanding self-love and um, self, yeah, self-love. It's such an important thing to, to love yourself and to appreciate yourself and mm. to not... Yeah, to not question everything you do. Why am I so weird? Why am I like this? Oh, my God, they're looking at me. Ah, I feel so nervous. And these things are so, they're all in your head. And uh, it's a matter of you kind of sitting down with yourself and and asking yourselves those questions and mm. figuring out, figuring it out yourself. had an amazing year in 2017 through her with her album Nightshade. It was well received. She had her uh, show at the Adelaide Hall a, a few a week after our anniversary concert. And in this interview, when I caught up with Ali, she talks about how uh, how the opposite of depression is not happiness; it's vitality. Ali for for a huge chunk of my life, and like I don't think that that's something that that's something that like so many artists struggle with, and I think a lot more people are talking about it now, which is amazing. Um, but you know, just to have this be a part of my healing process has been um, music has been one of the most healing aspects mm-hmm. of my life and I don't even necessarily need to understand why I just need to know that it is mm-hmm. and I just need to do it um I need to create and I need to I need to dance and I need to sing and I need to do all of these things to remain a happy balanced person mm-hmm. so and I think with something like depression it's like I feel like a genuinely happy person like I'm I'm happy right now. I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's something that if you've experienced it, it doesn't necessarily leave you. It's just that you find coping mechanisms. Um, and that's what I had to do. I just found a lot of coping mechanisms. Um, and some days it's just like 
drink a lot of water and, you know, take a shower and eat some healthy food. And that's kind of, that's like a win for the day. Mm. Um, and those are, those are like the harder days, but then yeah, like meditation, um, writing, you know, all of these things are like things that I need to do in order to stay balanced. And I know that about myself now. So, and that was through like so much trial and error and so much of it, um, holding me back to the point where it was like, I need to figure this shit out or else I'm, I'm just not going to be able to achieve the things that I want to achieve. Hmm. What would you say? Like when did it start happening? Was it because the pressure, the depression was happening because of your creative life or like way earlier than that? No, it was like much earlier, like all through high school. Mm -hmm. That was probably the worst um, time for me. And, you know, I was just like, I was super insecure and I didn't know, I really didn't know how to deal with it at that point. Like I hadn't started meditating yet. I hadn't found these things that, um, ended up being super helpful to me. So at that time I was like on medication and the medication made me feel very numb, which was like worse to me than feeling everything that I was feeling because I just felt nothing and as an artist that's like the fucking worst feeling because you can't create if you're feeling nothing like at least if you're sad like you can write a song about it but if you feel nothing then that that was felt fucked up to me so medication wasn't for me I think it's it's amazing for other people it works you know whatever works for you Um, But it wasn't for me. So I found um, meditation and exercise and changing my diet and really finding like a disciplined practice with my creative life was the thing that like gave me, you know, made me able to just be happy. Mm. So it's really important that you have to protect your health, your mental and physical and spiritual health to make sure uh, that uh, you don't go back into that. Mm-hmm. Get mm-hmm. get down again. For sure, my, it's probably gonna happen in terms of like you know, we always have ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. But mm-hmm. like you really got to take care of yourself. Definitely, and like even last fall, I was kind of like when I was trying to finish the album, I started to kind of slip down a little bit. You know, not it. It wasn't anywhere near what I've experienced in the past. But I now I know what like that looks like, so I kind of mm-hmm. see it coming. And I I remember watching this um, talk. And the guy that was doing the talk said, he said, the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is vitality. And that was something that just like stuck with me so much because I was like, I need to get my vitality back. Like, it's not just like, it's not just about being happy all the time. I don't even want to be happy all the time. Like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's like beautiful things can come out of that space as well. So it's like honoring all of those emotions and all of those spaces like even the dark spaces because a lot of beauty comes out of the dark spaces for sure um but also just like thinking about it more in terms of like that vitality and how do I get that energy whether it's like drink lots of water listen to the music you love um eat good food exercise you know go for a run dance whatever have sex Mm -hmm. whatever like whatever makes you feel um like vitally alive and you can feel 
super alive um, when you're sad and you can feel super alive um, when you're happy and everywhere in between. But it's more now, I think, about feeling that um, that vitality for me. Mm. The, the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's vitality. Yeah. Sodden. You know how people say, yo, this artist is the next rate. This artist is the next rate. You can say that for AJ Sodden uh, because AJ Sodden started out as an actor. And guess what show? The Grassy. And uh, he's an artist now. He sings and he raps and he had his debut show, his first ever show. He's from Mississauga. His first ever show was at the Mod Club. And not a lot of can, uh, Canadian artists and Toronto artists can pull that off. And I was at that show and it was well attended. And he talks about the comparisons that he gets to Drake and Frank Ocean. Sodden. Uh, so, you know, you're doing the whole acting role, the whole Degrassi. How many times are you getting this whole Drake comparison? You must be getting that if you're not getting that already. Oh, it's uh you know it's become a thing <laughs> you know i'm used to it um but how does it like what what are your responses or reactions or what are your thoughts about that? like you know sometimes yeah. people are like yo you look like drake and i'm like i'm like okay cool you know like but I, I don't really understand why people feel like it's necessary to say i look like somebody mm-hmm. you know like it's not how is that gonna like change my day you know but at the end of the day if somebody says i sound like him or make music like him i'll be like geez like that's an honor you know like that's mm-hmm. the that, that's a compliment to say I sound like like I'm putting out Greatest music that's, musician yeah. in music right now exactly you, you know, know? Mm. yeah and also like the career path as well too right the exactly the acting the Degrassi and then it's just inevitable that people are gonna say that because we started from the same place yeah on the same show yeah so it's only like it's it's inevitable that people are gonna is, say that. Does, does it also benefits to that as well too because what Drake has accomplished and where he's come from like you know he was the first one so he may not have been discounted in the beginning yeah right now that he's fucking killed it like maybe p- people can have that perception okay let's give this guy a chance you know he's not like you know because Drake has said that you're like oh might treat you a little bit seriously or give you an open mind or whatever a, or no it's a you know it's um it's definitely one of those things where um it could work out either in a like in a positive way or a negative way like people he set the bar so high yeah in a sense where this guy is like the the biggest thing in music you know mm-hmm. yeah so it's like if i'm trying to like the bar is just really high as far as <laughs> really really now yeah, yeah. You know? for, every, so for like, anybody <laughs> for anybody like yeah, yeah you know so it's uh yeah i forget where i was going with that but yeah the bar is really high <laughs> 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 so you're gonna you're gonna probably get a, a bunch you're gonna keep continuing to get that oh of course for the yeah. rest of my life I'm, I'm prepared for I dyed yeah. my hair I was like let me just switch it up you know like <laughs> let me just try something different mm-hmm. and I was like oh you look like Dennis Rodman or Chris Brown now and I'm like come on man I can't win like <laughs> yeah or didn't, didn't get Frank Ocean too oh I got Frank Ocean Frank too Ocean. Yeah. yeah I'm like enough yeah. time I'm like what the hell man can't win 
Yo, this is a special interview and a special time. This is during Manifesto Festival, and Jadena was one of the headliners at uh, the TD Echo Beach, which now goes uh, by, I guess, RBC Echo Beach by the Molson Amphitheater. And he talks about this is a, it was an amazing interview because Jadena talks about how Toronto is going through a renaissance. Jadena. For sure, and uh, and I, th- I think there's a lot of energy now, excitement. Yeah. Uh, in terms of our, our people are saying we're going through a renaissance in Toronto. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah. Do you see that from the outside? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think Toronto, and then and then Canada at large, right? You guys, in terms of entertainment and art, you have music, you have uh, Hollywood, you have actors and and singers and rappers out there in the world producing really high quality. Uh, content, yo, you know, and that and that's the corporate way of saying they're producing things that are are moving humanity. People are moved by people that come from this city and people that come from this country. Mm. So it's important to uh, to take notice at very least, if not study and and learn from, because there's something, especially in the states. I say this humbly as a proud patriot, but it's something that we have to learn from other countries. It's not enough to just be American and know America. You got to know know your neighbors at least. Mm-hmm. I want every American to know French and Spanish and English. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's a beautiful thing that's happening in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, na, na. Yeah, very funny. My dear, my dear, my dear, I want you here. Keeping it going on that Canadian renaissance, Emmanuel is an artist from London, Ontario, my hometown where the Come Up Show started. And if you had the Come Up Show's 10th anniversary, you saw him perform and everybody was raving about this artist. Everybody was asking me, yo, Cheddar, where did you find this guy? I'm not revealing my sources. If you haven't already checked out his music in our interview, please do so. Emmanuel talks about how it's a great time for a Canadian artist. So, get serious or get out. Emmanuel. What would you like to say to fellow musicians who are on the come up, like just starting out maybe? It's about it's a, a thousand hours. A thousand. A thousand or ten thousand? It's all about ten, a thousand and then multiply that and keep on multiplying it. It's a mm. forever thing. It's a forever thing. So if you're kidding and if you're not that serious, get serious or get out. Mm. But like. I really like that. Get serious or get out. Yeah, because there's so much stuff out there. We're so oversaturated that it's we don't much. need you to make even more noise if you're not yeah. serious. Everybody, I get mad at like half of the sponsored sh- singers that I see on like Instagram because they're just not. You can tell that they're just following the hype like that's coming like, like Canada, like the like the almost like musical renaissance that's happening in like Canada right now. It's just mm. more well received around the world, like with artists like The Weeknd and Drake, just like. Mm getting to the platforms that they're at you know so i think people are trying to do that but like people don't fully get it i don't fully get it i'm still trying to learn if somebody knows shout me out and and let me know because we're just trying to really do it the real way Mm. 
whatever that may be. Being being a Canadian musician, are you feeling excited about that right now? That yes, the attention that there is. Yeah, I feel like yeah. people are like people are like ready to listen. People, it it doesn't take as much. It doesn't take as much promotions. It doesn't take. People are saying, "Oh, the weekend's from Canada." What is Canada like? Does Canada have more, more artists like this? Does does Canada have more dopeness like ready to like be heard? So I feel like yes, I feel like yes is like a great time for Canadian art, mm. Canadian artists musically. And do you feel the optimism, especially being from London, Ontario, which is a small town? A lot of people could have the attitude like, "Yo, we're from <laughs> London. Why were you making? Why were you doing this for?" Like. Is there any optimism? You're a lot more optimistic just because of that. You're a yeah. lot more closer to the world community of music. Mm. So, like, yeah. Hmm. But I feel like also at the same time, it's always... Like, I feel like people from small towns sometimes... Like, yesterday, like, the the band that was headlining was from a small town. I think their name was Ferrero. If you, if, but, like, were, they were super dope. And, like... This question could be asked about them because they're they're from like Kingston, Ontario. It's such a small place. Like, I feel like the optimism is almost like a like a sham. The optimism is real now because of like what's going on in Canada and how many artists there are that are that are getting real pushes and that are going places from Canada. But like, I think at the very end of the day, it has to come from the heart. Mm. Don't do it because it's now is a good time to do it. Just yeah, because you really are real about it. That's good for like the economy. You're putting money into music. Like I guess like you're like a lot. Like it's just like it helps to have a like it's a bigger culture mm. because of how many people are doing it. There's a lot more people involved. But at the end of the day, I feel like real art just comes straight from the heart. And mm. like it, it like the sometimes the best people are from the most obscure like little places. Rask Fresco. Rask Fresco is an artist who's been doing it since he was like 14, 15 years old. And he talks about why travel is so important. Rask Fresco. Why are these meetings important? Why is it important to leave Toronto Networking. and get on the mega because bus, as you say? What, what, what can people learn? For the people who are just in their basement right now. And My bad for cutting you off. No, no, no. I'm just saying I'm... Like you've been in these meetings, you've been to New York and all these Atlanta and all these things. I I need you to uh, tell us why it's important to do this. What do you get from this? Okay, I'm gonna do the very simple answer first because it opens new doors. That person that you're meeting with has his own network, his own circle. Let's just say he has his own circle. There's people within that circle that do different things. Those people might be able to do things that people within your circle can't do. Those things might benefit whatever you're trying to do. If it's music, it might help you be able to get your music out to more people. It might be help with to put your music in a better place. It might be able to help you even get better at your music itself. It might help your craft. So when you meet with people, you are giving yourself the opportunity to be plugged into a different network, a different circle, and have access to that circle. So yeah, that's like why it's important. But like on a super, super deeper level though, 
and this is crazy too, because like um, this is something that we all know. Like you know, show, like with it, uh, I'm Caribbean, Jamaican and stuff. You grow up in the house and like your parents. There's so much sayings that like, you know people. If I say the saying, like everyone will be like, every certain people will like listen right now. I'll be like, ah, ah, that's like yeah, I know you're Jamaican. Like you know what I mean? Like show me your friends. Tell me who you are. Like you hear that all the time. So that's something that's so true in life. So when you take that into account now, it's backed up by this point. It's like we live and we make decisions by ourselves, right? Like you know what I mean? You say we are free will, right? But to what degree? Because you are 100%, the actions that you choose to make are affected by, like, they are affected by your surroundings and the people who are around you and stuff. So, for instance, it's like if I wake up and, like, my dad's the president, like, when I wake up, there's just different stuff on my mind. I can do different stuff, like, you know, like, whatever. If I wake up and my dad's the garbage man, like, there's, you know what I mean? People are, we're, we're all born into a network, right? And it's just like, this is like sociology and all that shit now. Like, we're all born into like a network. We inherit a network. Like, so if you're looking at it like a graph, it's like you're a circle. So when you, your mom is a circle and your dad's a circle. Those two circles connect to you. So when you're born, that's you. You have the connection to your mom and your dad. And your mom might go to someone for their taxes and go somewhere for their mechanic or whatever. And your dad also goes somewhere for food and goes somewhere for whatever. And your mom and your dad do different things. So they have a boom. So you inherit that network. So. When you're going throughout life now, the stuff that you're trying to do or all the things you want to do are affected by that network. No? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you keep that into mind, that's just a principle of life. So now to add on to that, it's like the network that you are in and the position that you are in within that network affects what you want to do just as much as you yourself thinking of like what I want to do or whatever. So if you keep these type of things in mind when you're around and you're out in places, you'll realize, okay, like I want to, I want to be, you know what I mean? I want to be involved with this person right here because they got this going on and I got this going on and it can be mutually beneficial or whatever, like, you know? Mm-hmm. So th- these are just principles that will help you maneuver throughout life and put yourself in a better position, you know what I mean? To like, age yourself and just make your reality better you know so that's which, how I see which is it. why people always say traveling is important mm-hmm. and uh, even being more personable there's is a sick important. video on the yeah. site you know like I have TED Talks right yeah there's a sick video on Big Think Big Think is kind of like TED Talks except for it's like um, what's his name Bill, Guy, Bill Nye the science guy is like the four I don't know if he's like owns it or is like the main four brand guy he's probably just the brand like the brand face or ambassador or whatever or I don't know you might own big it whatever think big think okay it's like Ted then they have different talks or whatever so there was this sociologist on it talking about social networks and the and the value of social networks and how they affect mm-hmm. how your network affects you and your the amount of capital you're able to make like literally like literally like it's a direct correlation like you know it's just breaking down the science of it and there's bare graphs and showing you how just different social networks like and then when I say social networks too, I don't mean like Twitter, media or like I mean I don't mean like Twitter, Facebook and like you know social network. I mean the actual social network. Like at this radio station, there's the you guys are a network. You guys work together and to get things done, certain functions are passed down throughout that network. So it's like you guys are almost like a an organism in and of itself. Like you know the radio station becomes alive. Like the it becomes a thing. And you guys are the parts of that thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the how strong those parts are determine how good that thing works. The thing is the radio station, the parts being you guys and whatever. So if you are aware, like I try to be aware, like, like I was saying at the beginning, knowledge is the foundation of all things. So it's like if you are aware of these principles, 
you're going to be like as you move through our life you're going to be applying them and they're going to work for your benefit wake up time to collect niggas coming short i guess it's time to finesse i was in the court trying to ball with no net when i say court you know i mean Locksmith. Locksmith is an artist from Richmond, California. Somebody that we've been supporting on the Come Up Show radio show, our blog, through all mediums for like at least six to seven years now. So it was amazing for him to come through to Toronto and for us to catch up with him. And in this excerpt, he talks about how you should surround yourself with yes men. Locksmith. People always say, oh, you need to... um." Don't surround yourself with yes men. No, you need to surround yourself with you need people around you that are going to motivate you and tell you you're dope. What's the good of people to like my whole life? I feel like I've been around no men. <laughs> people telling me no. So it made me a no man. No, I don't know. if I No. Yes, bro. You can do it. You can do it. No matter. You can do it. You can get. It. Yo, I want to I want to be performing at the BT Award. Yeah, I, I want people to tell me like, well, no, you got to do this for No, you do it. You know, have people motivating you, inspiring you. Then you will do that shit. And that's the way my mentality is. Like, forget the negative. Forget that shit. Focus on the positive. Always think positive. Always think of the positive outcome. Focus on that, and then you'll get the positive results, you know? Hmm. Damn. Uh, another another line from the same song. Uh, this is like going, I don't know what this means. Uh, the people that you meet and new places you venture can only make sense if you can sense them before you entered. Hmm. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> All right, so hold on, but you got to put it in context with the line before. Yeah, go ahead. What was the line before that? Hold on, because now you make it, you making me. Hold on, hold on. Now see, now I got to recite the whole thing. Exactly. Let's go. We all have issues in life, regardless of our distinctions. I know my biggest hurdle is easily overthinking. It's like paying admission to take a trip on a cruise, but you can't enjoy the view because you're constantly scared of sinking. You blink, then it's finished with. How come we always downplay our strengths and embellish all of our blemishes? We mimic what we see as wealth. Expending our, energy, expending our energy still pretending when it's easy to be yourself I felt the shift when I shifted out on my own when you understand your worth then it's like you're traveling home the people that you meet and the new places you venture can only make sense if you sense them before you've entered so basically the new the places that I'm going like this is a new place for me I'm touring Canada it'll only make sense if you understand the context of what you're really doing so you can, it's basically, it's like a glass half empty, half full thing. I can look at it like, oh, I'm touring Canada. How come I'm not performing in front of 20,000 people? Or you can look at it as like, yo, dude, you're touring Canada. These hundred people in Saskatoon know the words to your song. You know what I mean? They're coming here to see you. Think about that. I'm a kid from Richmond, California that was teased. You know what I mean? And now I'm here in Saskatoon, <laughs> Saskatchewan. You know what I mean? Everybody smells like poutine. poutine. <laughs> but they're showing me love. like, And I appreciate that. So it's like, yo, you can either appreciate it and understand it before you enter in this realm. It's best that you understand it before you enter because, or else you're going to come into it with a negative point of view. 
So if you understand mm-hmm. your view it from the right point of view. So that's my way of saying like understand these things before you venture into them. Yeah. So you're appreciative of the moment and yeah, you can, man. Uh, 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 radiate that energy with the people and saying thank you for coming here. Exactly. And and have a blast. And uh, it's so funny because you know a lot of moments that. Uh, it's not until the moment has passed when you look back and like, yo, that was a dope moment or that was a dope time. But you didn't even dope- appreciate it because you was too much because you, you're, you're on a cruise and you can't even appreciate it because you're constantly scared of sinking. Like I was at Niagara Falls yesterday, bro. Yeah. Like I rode the like ferry into the waterfall. The maid of mist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yo, yeah, yeah, We went into that. I was like, yo, how far are they going to go? Are they going to stop? Like, yo, what if this <laughs> malfunctions? But I was enjoying it. I was taking snaps. I was like, you know what, bro? Enjoy this. What brought me here? Rap my raps. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yo, how can I be mad? It's like, bro, enjoy this. It motivates me. Like, yo, I can't wait to get home so I can finish up this new stuff and things in my head. You know what mm. I mean? So that's essentially what that whole last verse is about. She was young, too, and it was fun, too. Kid away from her home so she would come through. But to a neighbor's house, they had the favorite couch that everybody loved, and we would run, too. But it was uncool what we succumbed to. The shit we did see, becoming numb, too. This wasn't untrue, what no one knew. The shit that she would do to me, nothing else could undo. Young and unaware, dealing with the strain. There's no reason to lie, because there's nothing to gain. She told me, strip down, no need to feel ashamed. She brought another child. One of the best stories that I've ever heard in the hundreds of interviews that I've done is from an artist named City Fidelia. City Fidelia is originally from Ottawa, Ontario, and he's been living in Toronto for a few years now. And he talks about what his friends did for him to be able to get money to push a single and to go to the L- to go to LA and to go to Grammys. This is one of the best stories I've ever heard. Check it out. City Fidelia were in a position well I was in a position where I didn't really have money but I knew I had a great song so um, basically me and my homies we used to Airbnb one of our houses and then literally be like five people in the small ass room sleeping every weekend just to make some money to go to LA for the Grammys meet people in Ottawa? Uh, no in LA no we used to do this in Toronto Okay. So my con- the condo I was living in Toronto, we used to do that. The condo that you, the King West condo. Yeah, the King West condo. Yeah, so okay. my homies used to rent out their condo. Yeah. Come to my house. We all used to sleep in the small ass room, mm. and basically to make money to promote the song. Wow. Travel. Yeah, man. That's that's those that's are, how we made our money. Those are man. day ones right there, bro. Yeah, hundred percent. Like your homies yeah. would rent out their condo. They would yeah. leave their spot. Yeah. Come sleep at your spot. Yeah. So they can make money to support your music. hundred percent. Oh my god, bro. Man, those are my rats. Shout out, right. shout them out, man. <laughs> shout out to my team on some. Those are my brothers. Oh, those are my brothers for life. Shit. Claremont II, 
one of the special of the somebody that you should look out for is Claremont II. This guy is gonna blow. He is special. And the one cool thing about Claremont II is how he does everything on his own. I'm talking about directing his own videos, editing, color correcting, producing his own beats, recording, mixing, mastering his own merch. Uh, he's like 19 years old. And uh, independence is very important to him. He is an independent artist, but you know he had one. Al- he had an album uh, where he licensed it to an independent label, and this is his experience. Claremont the second. Another thing that's de- developed since the last time you spoke, um, you had like uh, you know like I don't know if it was like a licensing thing or a deal with an indie label mm-hmm. here in Toronto, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I don't know if a lot of people, a lot of artists from the city or rappers, hip hop get opportunities uh, to do things like that. Uh, I want to know what you learned from that experience, what you gained from it, and, uh, you know, what you could what you could tell us about it. Oh, man. So what was it? It was like uh, the album, which album? album? Uh, Quest for Milk and Honey. Quest black for edition. Milk and Honey. Yeah, the Black Edition. The Black Edition. Black so edition. you released Quest for Milk and Honey, and then you added more tracks. Four songs. Four songs. Changed the packaging, changed Change. the whole vibe of that. Like, yeah. the packaging... It's crazy because I based uh, the I based the the um, cover and the promo and the direction I took based off of that one song forty for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the way that song you know sounded and felt is how I kind of packaged it. Uh, but as for like what I learned is like yo, if you operate like a label like yourself, there's like there's almost. There's almost no point in signing, man. Honestly, uh, I just felt more sane doing it myself. So, so doing w- it myself. <laughs> what in the first place enticed you to agree to get into an agreement and to like say sign on the dotted line? You know, like yeah. promise certain things. Uh, you know, they tell you that this is gonna do this and this is gonna do this, and then when you don't see it, mm-hmm. kind of really messes with you because it's like. So then, what's the deal, right? Uh, man, I don't know, yo. It's like, I wanted to try it out. I thought it would be cool. Like, especially with such a, like, you know, it's such a good album. I'm over it now, but, like, uh, it's 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 a, it's a good album that I thought, like, could be bigger. And it barely went bigger, honestly. Like, it, it didn't do too much. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, like, a fan of the whole process. Of being signed to a label either. Well, I wasn't signed. The album was signed. It was the album deal, right? Yeah, so what was so, it specifically? A licensing so deal for the it's album? It's pretty much or like... Distribution? You know, it's... Yeah. It's a like distribution dis- deal? Like, it, I don't know. Just call it like a, an album deal, you know? It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's distribution plus, you know, licensing plus so-and-so and so-and-so. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan of it, honestly. Um, working on everything myself now. I control the dates. I control where this goes. I control blah 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 blah. Um, I feel but good. Did you give up some of that? Because it's, because you already released the album, and you're just re-releasing and adding a few tracks. Yeah. So was, luckily, yeah, like, yeah. luckily, I had control over the art aspect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I control over like you know the videos, the music, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great, hundred percent. Like that's like no one gets that opportunity, you know, to sign a deal and be able to keep their art the way they want it. Um, but like when it comes to like more technical stuff, uh, I just wasn't cool with, uh, personally, um, that's no disrespect to them. It's just, a, yeah. well, first of all, we're not naming them purposely because nah. I want you to be honest for sure. For so sure. So people can learn from that. That's why I'm yeah, not man, naming like, them. Honestly, yeah, like yeah. If, 
think about uh if you feel a way about signing a deal in the first place, don't sign it. Feel away. Yeah, if you feel if you feel a certain type of way, like if you're like this was not really my goal, this is not really what I wanted to do, don't sign it. Because as soon as you do that, like now your sanity is kind of placed in someone else's hands. And how you feel is placed on in someone else's hands because this is something you, you didn't want to do in the first place, and now you're doing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I personally didn't want to sign uh, uh, when I was like, you know, when I came in this game, I was like, yo, I'm gonna be unsigned. I'm gonna do this all myself. I'm gonna own this, own that, blah 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 blah. And that was my goal. That was my original goal. That was like pretty much what Chance is doing now. Pretty much what Daniel Caesar is doing now. Like I want to, you know own everything you know and like own my own stuff and have nobody try to put their name on it and try to take credit where it's not due you know what i'm saying uh so with that uh me me signing the deal was kind of like me signing that deal is is just you're going against what you've you know been preaching about you've got you're going against what you've been talking about what you are about and i can't do that man like i can't do that no more you know what I'm saying? So everything's independent. So man. what drew drew you away then? From the disappointment. Consistent disappointment. No, I'm, I mean I mean if you like, said that this is, I came out to be independent, so yeah. what like what you know took you out of that? Like not being You know what's f- yeah, like yeah. nothing really. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's I think it was cause okay, this is indie is it indie label? Yeah. It's short term. So yeah. let's, let's let's see how this works and, and if it works, let's let's build. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, you probably yeah. thought you couldn't lose too much. Yeah, yeah. like, like, like what's the in know? retrospect? Like, yeah. I, I didn't, mm-hmm. but I kind of did. You know, it's 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 a full length album. It's seventeen songs. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of lost that. That's kind of like. What do you mean you lost that? It's out. What are you talking about? It's out. Yeah, but it's like, not mine, hundred percent anymore. You know what I'm saying? Now it's shared. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, like going for whatever the royalties exactly it's not streaming. mine anymore okay so um which is cool man i've moved on i'm on to on to the next project mm-hmm. um and i made like my next album in such a short amount of time uh it was just super immediate it, it needs to be dropped you know it needed to happen so um i'm just focused on like as a way to move on way to move on like i'm done with everything in the past, like, you know, I'm done with, like, people trying to treat me a certain way. I'm done with all that that that, that crap. I'm moving forward. So, yeah, man, that's that's been, like, the ride for, like, the past, I don't know, mm-hmm. six, seven, like, since since about winter, like, January-ish. That's hmm. been, that's been the deal. Okay, so what, yeah. what advice would you give to the other artists who were, might be in that position? Yo, if... If you don't want to sign, man, like, every time you go into something, go in 100%, like, yeah, I want to do this. Because if it's not 100%, it then it's not something you should do. It should always be 100%, like, yeah, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Even, like, even when I was convinced, I was still, like, not 100%. I was kind of, like, 85. That's not enough. Not in this game. This game is dangerous. This game is way too dangerous for you not be a hundred percent about something. So, mm. yeah, man. Follow the gut, the instinct, all the way. always, all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And the nose ring will fit well. Yeah. And the nose ring will fit well with the curly hair, wavy hair, frizzy hair, all of that. 
don't straighten it I mean, I apologize Do whatever you want with it It still looks good it does. Let's kick it in the PM past 8 Springtime weather so it gets dark late And keep our backs to the grass and our faces The internet, one of my favorite and most funniest interviews uh, The internet, if you don't know, is a band from the West Coast Uh uh, originally affiliated with Odd Future, which cons- uh, which uh, Sid is the lead singer of the internet, and they talk about how owning your creative journey is really important. The internet. You guys, uh, you just rock Manifesto Festival. Manifesto, uh, you know, the definition of manifesto is uh, like a mission statement. Like th- what our mission is. What is? What would you say is the mission statement for the internet? Uh, the mission statement from the internet is own your, your creative journey, man. Like I say, cause we all are very much so our own creative beings. And also like, you know, you can, you can be a part of a group and you can be your own individual at the same time. I feel like that's what we're trying to really convey, you know, cause we all have really budding solo things that we have going on, but we also understand our power as a band. So I feel like a lot of times as black artists, you know, bands and groups are always broken up by the industry or just what people say, because we don't throughout the time band, black bands can never stay together you know even if they don't make music for a period of time so I feel like as a black band I feel like we're trying to really like change the perspective of that showing like hey everybody can go be solo artists and be huge but at the same time as a band we can still kill it so I feel like that's really our mission statement is really showing like you can be an individual but also understand the importance of camaraderie so he's like trying to get these good vibes you and we're trying to get these checks he <laughs> back the bag man <laughs> The bag, man. Eloquent, another guy that we've been supporting for a while, producer, instrumentalist. Eloquent uh, has been in the is in a unique position because he signed to two labels in the U.S. and in in Canada, and he talks about what his worst case scenario is and the best case scenario when it comes to balancing music and living. Eloquent. Last year, worst case scenario came out. Yeah, that was um, yeah, it was late late twenty sixteen. Came out in December. Mm. So that that title it seems like it plays on on how you also operate. Like worst case scenario, you always have backup plans. And uh, tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it's always tricky with um, like when you make beats. Um, it, I guess it's hard to really tell a story since you know there's no words to go with it. I mean, I'm just putting sounds together, but. But ultimately, um, every just about every album or record that I do comes from a, a personal place as far as you know how how I'm feeling about just life and and everything beyond. Um, so with that title, um, like I just like I just turned thirty, um, and you know I guess I was just starting to really feel my my mortality, so to speak. I mean, when I first started making beats. I was like 12 or 13 and 
you know, eager to, to, to prove things to people. And, you know, there's always that, that little kid wants to go on the basketball court with, with like the older kids who are playing pickup and, and, and prove that, 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 that you belong, you know, and that, that's, that's very much how I felt when I was first like really getting into, into doing music, like on this, on this level. But I mean, I've put out like 15 albums i've gone a lot of places i've seen a lot of things um so with that record um the whole premise behind it is well hey you know i've done x y and z i don't know exactly what the future holds but i'm old enough now or i'm starting to think like okay well in the worst case scenario if all doesn't go according to plan i'm happy with my life and the decisions that i've made and it's really just a general philosophy that that i have you know like just like we we're talking about off air a moment ago you know when when you expect the worst you you can never really be disappointed um so i guess it's a, a little bit of a pessimistic viewpoint but again better to be over prepared than under prepared so what does the worst case scenario look like for you um, the worst case scenario, I fail miserably in my musical career. So whether that means tomorrow I just get frustrated or I get sick of making music or just sick of the grind and I just say, no mas, like no more, I'm, I'm just done. And, and I don't know, I just settle on, on a regular nine to five and never make a single beat ever again. Now, that's not going to happen, full disclosure. <laughs> but if it did, I mean, I left, I, I put my heart and soul into everything that I've done. I got to meet some of the most inspiring people that I've, I've ever met just throughout the world. And I have, I have albums, I have records, like vinyl records that hopefully one day my grandchildren or great-grandchildren uncover or there's somebody out there who might have been listening to one of my songs while going through a tough situation. Hmm. Um, you know, thing, things like that where, okay, maybe I don't get that Grammy record or maybe I, I don't land a placement on Kendrick Lamar's album. But, you know, what I did made a, made a difference to, I guess, if what I... If um, even one person somewhere out there, maybe it's a kid in Yugoslavia, you know, listened to my music and was inspired to, to follow his dreams, that's good enough for me. Mm. And the best case scenario? Oh, the best case scenario. Oh, I, I completely sell out. Um, I just go, I just sell just millions and millions of records. Yeah, I just, oh, like I have a, like a big platinum chain, you know, just I, all the cliches you can think of. I mean, that would be the best case. But again, I'm a pessimistic thinker, so I'm not expecting that. But if it happens, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> What's the middle ground then? The I'd, realistic, like, you know, I'd be happy with this. I'd say the middle ground is probably where I'm at right about now. Okay. Um, and I make music. I love making it. It nets me a, a check here and there. And uh, and it provides me the opportunity to, to see the world from time to time, um, and really when I when I first started putting out albums, like I only had a few goals. I just wanted to put something out on vinyl, and I wanted to to go on tour or to at least be able to to get that opportunity too. Because I mean, you know, you always. You know, every kid dreams about the rock star life at least once. And, you know, while I've never I've never been interested in playing at a stadium full of 50,000 people, 
I don't know, just the, the whole idea of going city to city and people actually paying to see you, you know, was always something that, that I thought was really cool, but mm. but pretty much unattainable until I did it. I don't know. There's nothing quite like having like a, a long term goal that you don't really know how to do it, but you just know that you want to do it at some point and then eventually you get to do it. You know, there's there's nothing quite like that. G. Jordan, super nice guys. G. Jordan, if you don't know, they're from Toronto, signed to OVO Sound, and they talk about how you should stick to your message. G. Jordan. Yeah, for me is uh, stay true to yourself and respect yourself to the point that the way you want to treat your craft and your career is the way that you want to treat the people that you want to collaborate with too. You know what I mean? Like when you're going into a collaboration, it's like a lot of people want to go into like the hot thing or the new thing. Just understand that it's, it's not about being the first to the thing. It's about, okay, I want to take this and I respect myself and I respect what you do and I want to create something together that will stand the test of time, not just because it is of a moment, you know? It will last beyond you. Some- and if, if you really see it through, it will happen. You yeah. know, you just need... It, it's difficult. People... We're in that age of, of arts, especially where it's, it's, it's almost like being a part of something for, for a little bit and then being a part of this and being a part of this. You know, it takes a lot of strength to stick with your, your message the whole way through and deliver an album in concise um, like direction of, of what you want to tell people and how you want to influence people, you know, so, yeah. And also, you're going to come across stages of adaptation, and that's okay, yeah. because when you adapt, you change. And it's okay that if you're into something at a certain age, to not be okay, to, uh, to, to not be into it when you're older, you know what I mean? You can sort of leave that behind you, and that's fine, too. A lot of people feel like, oh, you know, I do this, and I want to do this all the time, but you can discover something new that kind of, you know, pushes that to the side, and that's an exciting moment. You know, you should always look for those moments that inspire you differently and, and I guess, like, open your eyes, you know? Like, for, for me, I, I've been looking at things visually a lot more. I, I was never exposed to visual art and film and things like that growing up, so that's what I've just been doing that lately, you know? So find interesting things that, that, that can touch you uh, in ways that you haven't uh, felt before. It's a difficult place when it gets like this. Eleven Eleven. Eleven Eleven was our headliner for the Come Up Show's 10th year anniversary concert that we had in November. And he talks about being an artist with millions of views of his songs, but still stuck working in the warehouse. This is a very vulnerable story, and I appreciate him sharing this with us because he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Check it out. Eleven Eleven. 
And like we always have artists and like you know the people that we've had on this podcast, like because uh, the the purpose of the Come Up Show podcast is to share honesty, mm-hmm. you know, vulnerability, and to also let people know that they're not. I feel like artists sometimes feel like they're alone, mm-hmm. that they're not alone, that they're there's somebody else going through the same thing mm-hmm. as well too. So you talked about your life is. <laughs> <laughs> roller coaster yeah. ups and downs was there a time that I was maybe in your musical career or in your life that was very challenging it was a low point that you went through that you you would like to ins- inspire people with yeah I mean when I was working a job from one to nine mm. uh not too re- not too long ago right like mm. I was working a job one to nine in a warehouse just getting up every day and doing something I didn't want to do mm. you know like that was a uh, big challenge for me because I never I didn't want to do that I didn't want to go and work in a warehouse and lift boxes and stuff well my music was here you know doing well and like I was trying to do that's what I wanted to do like I put so much effort into that but I was in a warehouse just you know working so hard Mm. and trying to keep that job Mm. and waking up and going to work and physical labor and stuff is something I didn't want to do like I just wanted to do music I'd rather be in the studio and Getting up every day and doing that was so hard in my life. But I had to do it because I had a family, right? I have a family that I had to feed. So the income wasn't coming from money and uh, from music and stuff. So I had to do that and I had to just go. I have to go in and work, work really hard. Mm. That was a real down point in my life because it's like, when, why am I doing this? You know, like, why am I doing music? Like, I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm just at this job, working this job and mm-hmm. something I didn't want to do. So I just never gave up and I stick to what I was doing and I did what I had to do and I did it and now I'm having an album come out soon. So because I just stuck to doing music and never quit. Like a lot of people in that situation would quit. Okay, forget it. I'm just going to get this job and get another job, make more money. So that was a low point in my life. Mm. And was it like, uh, I was wondering if you, you already had music out, obviously. Yeah. So you had like you could you had kind of a taste of success in terms yeah. of yeah. But I was here and yeah. like working at this warehouse yeah. job, right? So people wouldn't know that from the YouTube views and yeah. the songs or whatever that exactly. are ma- doing numbers. Yeah. They would think that you made it. Mm-hmm. And then you're probably getting that type of like reaction of people having no idea. Yeah, like that, I'm doing um, this. Actually, no, I ha- actually have a job and I'm working at this job. Yeah. How so. did you balance that? The, the, the love, the fan, like all the success, people thinking you're I successful. I just did it. I had to yeah. do what I had to do. I have I had a family like yeah. that I have to feed. I couldn't just stay at home and not make any money. Mm. So, you know. It's a reality. It's a reality. But then when Literally. you're at when you're at work, you're thinking about music? Yeah, I'm thinking about music. I'm listening to music, but I'm at work working. Mm. Money half for me, girl. Money half for me. You've been wildin' trying to take my time. You. I'll give my time to you. Cause you're worth it. You're perfect. And funny enough, if you listen to the Come Up Show audio documentary, uh, we ended it with an excerpt from Second Son, who is a producer, multi-instrumentalist. He's worked with Ali and, and also has his own project that you should check out uh, on the comeupshow.com. And he talks about expectations 
what to have, what to not to have in terms of making money from your music and how the best musicians are the best people. Second son. Like the one thing about the creative field is there's never like 100% job security or stability. It's always, you know, you never know. Uh, what is that like for you to balance that type of life? Yeah. yeah. I, I, it was hard at a point yeah. because I always felt like, yo, why isn't this working? Why do I have to do this and that in order to live? And then I stopped bitching and complaining and I started finding a way to just support myself without music. And to be honest, if you can make money to pay your rent or to buy property from music, you are a lucky man, lucky woman. And, you know, consider yourself blessed. And yeah, I'm working for that. But I actually don't care if it ever happens, to be quite mm. honest. And as soon as I stopped giving a shit about what music owes me, then I felt really fine about life in general. I mean, I have family. I have friends. I'm an uncle four times over. I got other shit going on, you know? If, if my music sells, I'm going to be a happier Uncle Danny. <laughs> But I mean, like, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to curl up and bitch about how the music industry isn't like, it doesn't matter. I don't make music for those reasons. Mm -hmm. I make music because I need to. Uh, I channel what's out there in a way that no one else can. And if I don't do it, no one will, you know, there won't, there won't be my voice in there. And I feel responsible to do it. I, I, mm. I just want to do it. It's fun. Yeah. And so... It's to be honest, it's, it's always hard because, in a way, you, you know, life still catches up to you, and you still have to pay rent. You're still trying to eat, and you still want to expand. You know, like I'll be 40 in not too long. You know, I'd love to like have stuff. Let's say, yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't expect that from music. Mm. And when I sit down, either by myself or with other people to make music, is not from that kind of energy at all. In fact, it's more about sort of celebration and trying to tap into something that's way beyond finance or, you know, fucking regular, you know, everyday basic stuff like rent and food or whatever. Mm. It's like, so I, I don't expect it and I don't mind. It's just a lot of fun making music and I try to just stay there. Mm -hmm. And the more that I'm able to stay there, the more I actually hear that my music has a chance to affect more people and the more that I really want it so bad and I want this record, the more it's like, you can, it's, it's too try hard. Everyone can feel that. Like everyone just needs to relax. It's not the, you know, the, the egos in music and the people who think they're so special because they made a song someone like, like, that's wicked. I'm not trying to take that from you, but like, relax. It's not that serious, you know? Because mm. um, you, you can kill your creativity. You can kill your love. You can kill your passion mm. by expecting it to uh, financially support you fully. If your energy, your meditative energy going into a creative zone is what am I going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. You have precisely nothing to offer. And I hear that through mm -hmm. any set of speakers. I'll hear that through a shitty pair of earbuds. Really? Yeah, man. I swear to God. The best musicians are the best people. Like, and people who have too much ego or who are super self-centered or who expect a lot without giving anything. You still might be able to make some cool songs, but you'll be exposed and everyone ain't, no one's going to love you for that. Like the icons and the people I look up to were massive as people as well as musicians. They were, you know, they were 
admirable on all levels of existential conditioning, you know? They were just like beautiful entities. So yeah, all this expectation about what kind of money you're going to get. I mean, that's such a privileged, weird standpoint. Like I, I was I was in Addis Ababa for a month, right? I, and that's in Ethiopia. And like, as soon as I go to a place that's outside of, you know, say Toronto or like North American context, the idea of making money off of music is preposterous. You have people who can't make money off of anything. You know what I mean? So like, what a ridiculous standpoint. It is to walk around thinking that the world owes you some loot to live because you can make a beat. Like, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't buy that at all. So that's Where just, do you think that comes from, though? It's, but, because it's, you can kind of understand. You obviously do understand that, right? Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, un- yeah. I, 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 understand, I overstand it. <laughs> you know, I, I see where it comes from. Yeah. Real talk. But it's so much ego is what that is. It's like... In this, okay, let me change, let me, let me, let's switch up from music just to like, I can make my point. Yeah. If you ever are in a relationship, probably everyone who will hear this has at some point had a lover. All right. Now, if you go into that relationship, just being like, oh, this person is amazing. And you just want to like be good to them because you, you feel them and you want to do nice shit for them and you want to. You know, you want to call them out of the blue or you want to say nice things or you speak well of them in public when they're not around or whatever the case. That's that real shit to me, you know? And if I was to be like, well, yeah, I'm going to give you a back massage, but what am I going to get out of it kind of vibe? You're just a bad lover (laughs) and a shitty human, do you know? (laughs) So as far as I'm concerned, man, it's like I do get it. Of course you want to get paid for your work. I don't work for free. But music isn't work. It's not work. It's like a, it's communion, you know, it's celebration. It can be work for some people. I get that. But if that's the vibe you're bringing, I don't believe you that any vibrations out of your session will matter to a person like me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not important to me. So I don't, I get it, but move on. And anyone out there who thinks that music owes you something, move on. Mm-hmm. Do it from a better place. Thank you for listening to part two of the best of 2017 of the Come Up Show. A few announcements. One of the things is we're going to be launching, we're going to get back into season four of the Come Up Show podcast in February. In the meantime, we're going to be launching a Patreon page. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's like a crowdfunding website where you support creators like the Come Up Show on a month-to-month basis from a dollar to whatever uh, amount that you're feeling comfortable to give to the Come Up Show. And the reason why we're launching this is we're looking to take the podcast to the next level. We're, we have all these ambitious goals and we need your support. And on top of supporting the Come Up Show and helping it, helping it take the next level, there's going to be so many goodies and bonuses that you're going to get. Uh, so if you haven't subscribed to the Come Up Show newsletter, please do so at thecomeupshow.com. And I would also love to hear any ideas. What would you like to receive 
if you're going to be giving the come up show a dollar a month as an example what goodies would you like to get or five bucks or ten bucks or fifteen dollars there's going to be all these levels and if there's any goodies if there's things that you're curious about about the come up show please hit me up at the come up show uh, and i would love to incorporate some of those ideas to our patreon page my name is chad oya thank you for listening we'll be back very soon peace Thank you